Hey, it's Memes, and you're listening to Swatch of Horrors, a beauty podcast based off of beauty horror stories told by the beauty professionals. If you're new, welcome. If you want to support Swatch of Horrors, it's super easy to do. Give the podcast a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, and you can also leave a comment there. Let me know your beauty horror stories in the review in Apple Podcasts. And I might read them on the show. You can also support the podcast by following on Twitter and Instagram at Swatch of Horrors. If you want to support in another way, you can always share a screenshot of this podcast, post it to your Instagram, tag Swatch of Horrors, and I will regram it. Let's get right into it. Swatch of Horrors. I'm looking for a new compete for revolution. Thank you so much. You know, you all have been so patient with me in these past few months. I had gotten into an accident a few months ago, and I did have a brain injury to a certain degree. I mean, I didn't require hospitalization, but it was really a hard thing to go through cognitively, mentally, physically. It was it was rough. So thank you for being patient and still listening. You know, since coming out of hiatus, I kind of came back slowly and, you know, I think I think I'm ready to come back. But, um, you know, with everything else going on, um, I, I'm going to try to do biweekly. And what would really help, too, is I would really love to interview more people. And, you know, sometimes I reach out and then I hear nothing or I kind of hear something and then they just drop off the face of the earth. So if you're a listener and you're a makeup artist or a hairstylist or nail tech, I would love to talk to you. Come on the show. It's super easy. We do it virtually and you can tell me your beauty horror story and we can connect and it'll just be so much fun. I I love interviewing people. I didn't realize how much I enjoyed this. This podcast was really just a project that I had was sitting on for a long time and you know, you all know the story worked as a makeup artist for a handful of years and endured some interesting stories. So here I am to share those stories with you and to give other artists a platform to share their beauty horrors and to really just share with everyone a side of beauty that you don't really hear about. So I have a story for you today. It's a horror story regarding your skin because your skin is the largest organ on your body and you know what's on our face it's on everything well it's on everything it sounds weird but you know if your skin's not right you don't feel beautiful and that's a horror in itself especially if you think you have something contagious and I'm gonna tell you about my nightmare that I went through a few years ago and it was awful 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 you so this was a few years ago And I remember developing some like welts or itchiness 
kind of felt like mosquito bites because I really react heavily to mosquito bites. I'm really, I guess, allergic to them. I don't know what you want to call it. Have a strong response to them. You know, they would show up on my back, my arms, the back of my shoulders. It kind of got worse over time. And I had just started a new job and I think it was about a month in or so. And then I started getting these weird like breakouts that itch on my body. And finally, it got to the point where I was kind of freaked out. I wasn't sure if maybe we had bed bugs for some reason. I think we had gotten to like an Airbnb at one point. This was like a few years ago. And so I think I was just worried maybe like we brought something home. Maybe there's something else going on. Maybe it was bug related. I don't know. And so I looked up a dermatologist that was close by and I went and I'm pretty sure it was a dermatologist's office unless she was just like a regular doctor passing herself off as a dermatologist. Not really sure how that works, but as soon as I walked in, I mean, the reviews were great, you know? What was I? I didn't know. Usually, and you can call me uptight or whatever, but usually when I'm about to see a medical professional, whether it be a doctor, a mental health professional, anybody in the medical field where you need a license, I usually look that person up on the state's website. You can look up like licensing for California if anybody who has like a license, even like estheticians, like you can look them up to see if they're actually licensed in the state that you're in. And I do that to protect myself. Like I want to know who I'm dealing with. I want to know if this person legit still has a license or has any violations. That will all be on that website. Okay, so I like to do that. I don't think I did that with this person. And as soon as I walked into the office, you see like pictures and advertisements of Botox and fillers. I didn't know you can get fillers in your hands. I guess that's a thing. So yeah, you can get fillers in your hands to make them like not so veiny apparently. So seeing a lot of that, okay, and it was a really nice office. I'm like, mm, this is weird. Maybe this is a real like med spa type of place. And I don't know. Then I walk in and you see the front desk. And of course, I mean, I'm not... I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but the receptionists there were very, they were pumped up with stuff, okay? They get free whatever probably from that office that they're working in, the Botox fillers, they had it all. I was like, okay, this is the type of place that I'm dealing with. Um, And then I kind of felt a little weird because I'm here for a skin condition. I'm not here to get shot up with stuff in my face medical assistant or something she was taking down all of my info super compassionate person she was great I was really impressed with her how patient and nice she was empathetic about my skin condition and the doctor comes in finally and she really only spent a couple minutes looking at my skin and she didn't even have me disrobe and usually From my experience, I mean, not all dermatologists, but for the most part, especially if you're seeing a derm for a first time, they usually put you in a gown because they want to look at like your whole body to make sure you don't have any weird moles and stuff like that. Mind you, my new dermatologist now didn't have me disrobe, uh, probably because it's like pandemic. I don't know. 
I, I don't want to count that as a red flag, but just keep that in mind. Okay, when you go see a dermatologist. So basically, here are, here are my red flags here. Basically feels like a med spa is what I walked into, not a place that treats skin conditions. That's my first reaction. The doctor barely looked at my issue, you know, my little bumps that I was having. She didn't even, like, I had a lot on my thighs and on my, I think my butt, I think. Like my butt cheek or something. And I was like pulling down my pants because I'm like, here, look, it's here too. Like, you need to see everything that's happening to me. And she's like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. It's, she basically just made a judgment call right then and there. The doctor said, oh, it's molluscum contagiosum. I will never forget those words and I'll never forget how to pronounce molluscum contagiosum. That sounds horrible, right? I felt like the doctor was really dismissing me, was not taking time with me because I wasn't there to put fucking filler in my hands. Like that's what I was, that's what I felt like. That was the vibe. I was wasting her time is really how it felt. And she tells me that's what it is. And it's not a bug bite, she says. And so she says, I'm going to burn your lesions or your spots. And I think it's like nitrous oxide or something. It's like a canister with a little thing and then they shoot it out at you. And that was supposed to burn my little marks. And that in itself is a treatment that signals your body to, I guess, focus on those, the things that she's trying to burn off to kick in, like kick my immune system into high gear to make these little things go away. So that's the supposed treatment for that to help. There's really no cure that I know of. It's just once the lesions are gone, they're gone. I'm going to tell you right now, and I think I'm probably going to name the title of the show this, but th this was not an accurate diagnosis. I did not have molluscum contagiosum. You'll find out in just a minute. Totally wrong. Didn't have that. I'm going to read to you on the CDC website about what the hell that actually is. And you will, you will understand. I'll tell you this in a minute. It was really frightening because she says it's contagious or she said it was contagious and she said there's no cure. So when somebody tells you that, you're going to freak out, right? I mean, I felt awful. And she comes in with this canister and she starts burning all my little bumps that I have on my body, my chest, uh, my arms, my legs. I still to this day have like scar marks on my chest a little bit from when she burned me and they, they're barely going away. It's been like two years, I think. So, um, I'm freaking out. She sprays me and burns me a couple times with this thing and then she leaves the room and I'm here talking to the nurse. I'm like, so like, what? What am I supposed to do? Like, is there no other treatment? Like, I'm freaking out. I don't really feel comfortable. I feel like the nurse did a better job at consoling me than the doctor did. The doctor was just like in and out and done. And she was like, yeah, like, I don't know, like, this is, you know, what we can do. And that's really it. And um, so let me read to you. This is the CDC.gov website on what molluscum contagiosum is. OK, 
Okay. It is Molluscum contagiosum is an infection caused by pox virus. The result of the infection is usually a benign, mild skin disease characterized by lesions or growths that may appear anywhere on the body within 6 to 12 months. Molluscum contagiosum typically resolves without scarring, but may take as long as four years. Okay, four motherfucking years. Can you... Now now you probably see why I'm freaking out at this point. She gives me this, you know, fake wrong diagnosis. I'm crying. I go to my car. I'm crying. I call my partner and I'm like freaking out because he's going to bring me down and, and talk me through things. He Googles it. I Google it. And he's like, your, your bumps don't look like that. And I'm like, yeah, I thought so too. Like I'm on Google images and I'm looking at the molluscum contagiosum like spots and stuff. Like what I had did not look like that. I'm not, and I'm not a damn doctor. I know this. But yet when a doctor tells you something because they're an authoritative figure, and this can go on with a lot of things. This can, whether it be with the police, whether it be with a medical professional, a professor, when somebody of authority tells you something I don't know if it's just like automatically like we for some reason just take it and run with it and don't really question it sometimes. That's like a bad habit, you know, that and obviously, I mean, this this is a whole nother thing. Like if if you're dealing with police, uh, you can't just be like, I mean, you, you just got to be careful, obviously. Um, And unfortunately, that's the case. But when it comes to like doctors and stuff, like you really should ask questions. Don't push back in a rude way, but just question, follow up questions. If something doesn't feel right in your gut, if they're telling you, hey, this is just something and you feel like there's really more to it, say something until you get the answer. If not, go see a second opinion. So, you know, I'm not saying write off whatever the doctor tells you. Just make sure you're hearing it and taking it in very critically and thinking, yeah, thinking critically about it. But I was at a disconnect because somebody who had a white coat on told me this is what I had. And I'm looking at Google pictures and I'm thinking, uh, mine doesn't really look like that, but maybe she's right. And my partner was like, you know, reassuring me, like saying, no, like, I don't think that's what you have. And he also asked me, did she biopsy anything? And I said, no. He's like, so she didn't even test your skin? I said, no, not at all. And that's another like huge red flag, okay? Because not saying you need a biopsy for every single thing that happens to you or that's wrong with your body. A lot of times doctors, they know it's open and shut case. Yeah, you have, I don't know, dandruff. You have ringworm. I mean, some things are really obvious and they just know. And some things might need testing. And I didn't even push for a biopsy. I didn't even ask her, hey, shouldn't you test this under a microscope and look at it to see if it really is what you're saying it is? I didn't even do any of that. I was just so upset. And so my partner was, you know, my fiance is like, you know, talking me down and talking some sense into me. And I start calming down. I'm like, okay, you know what? She didn't even test me. And what I'm seeing does not look like what's on Google. 
So let me kind of pick up again um, based off of what this disease thing is. So it's a virus. The lesions. Okay. <clears throat> molluscum contagiosum. The lesions known as mollusca. Okay, that sounds like, I don't even know. Are small, raised, and usually white, pink, or flesh-colored with a dimple or pit in the center. They often have a pearly appearance, usually smooth and firm. Okay, blah, 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 blah. Um, they may become itchy, sore, red, or swollen. Mollusca may occur anywhere on the body, including face, necks, arms. Necks, you only have one neck. Legs, arms, abdomen, and genitalia. Yeah, so transmission. Here's the kicker here. So at the time, you know, one of my many injuries that I've had, I've mentioned that I've had many injuries before, I was uh, running and all this stuff anyway. So I was seeing a physical therapist and um, I thought maybe I got it from her office. You know, you're, you're lying on a bench, you know, they touch people and they touch you. I thought that's maybe where I could have caught this. So transmission. The virus that causes molluscum spread from direct person to person physical contact, and through contaminated fomites. Fomites are inanimate objects that can become contaminated with the virus. In this case, molluscum contagiosum can include linens such as clothing, towels, bathing, sponges, pool equipment, and toys. Although the virus might be spread by sharing swimming pools, blah, 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 um, it's not yet proven. Researchers who have investigated this idea think it's more likely the virus is spread by sharing towels and other items around the pool or sauna than through water. So someone with molluscum can spread it to other parts of their body by touching it or scratching a lesion and then touching their body somewhere else. So this is the part that freaked me out. Like I bought leggings, like extra leggings, extra long sleeves. I bought like the biggest huge band-aids and bandages that you could think of and I was covering big parts of parts of my body that had this bump or rash because I was so afraid of spreading it to other parts of my body and to my partner so that's what freaked me out even more it was a total nightmare okay cdc.gov says this is how it's transmitted Uh, this is called um auto-inoculation. Shaving and electrolysis can also spread mollusca to other parts of the body. Mollusca can spread from one person to another by sexual contact. Many but not all cases of molluscum in adults are caused by sexual contact. It's basically contagious. It sits at the top layer of the epidermis and does not circulate through the body. Therefore, it cannot spread through coughing or sneezing. Since the virus lives only on the top layer of the skin, once the lesions are gone, the virus is gone, and you cannot spread it to others. Molluscum contagiosum is not like the herpes virus, which can remain dormant in your body for long periods of time, then reappear. So it's not like herpes, but it just sounds like a contagious nightmare. And basically, I was covered from head to toe in clothing. Then my partner was wearing freaking like man leggings and like long sleeves because we didn't know, like, I didn't want him to get it. And obviously we sleep in the same bed and it was a nightmare. It was a complete nightmare. Um, What are the treatment options? So I'm going to tell you, because molluscum contagiosum is self-limited in healthy individuals, treatment may be unnecessary. Nonetheless, issues such as 
lesion visibility, underlying atopic disease, and the desire to prevent transmission may prompt therapy. So physical removal. Physical removal of the lesions may include cryotherapy. Yeah, I think that's what she did. So she was freezing the lesions with liquid nitrogen. You can also um, cut out, it's really gross, laser therapy. You can just scrape them off, you know, with the doctor. Um, It may require local anesthesia. Let's see. It's not a good idea to try to remove them yourself. So don't do that. Basically, by trying to remove it yourself, you may spread it to others or if you scratch it and then, you know, you can cause a bacterial infection. Anyway, bottom line, contagious AF. So imagine being in summer in Southern California, wearing leggings, sweaters, long sleeves, bundled up, going to work. I did go to work too because, I mean, I figured it's only really contagious if you're like rubbing up on somebody, scratching yourself, touching other people. I wasn't doing that. Yeah, I had a section all to myself and I was super covered up and I stopped going to physical therapy. I immediately wrote them an email and I told her like, hey, this is what's happening to me. This is what the doctor said. And I don't know if I've, I got it from your office or somewhere else. I mean, I just want to let you know in case somebody in your practice comes up with something like this, just, you know, take extra care. So I stopped going there because of what happened. And my fiance, or he's my fiance now, was like, get a second opinion. So that's what I did. I made another appointment with someone else and they were able to get me in uh, relatively quickly, probably like a couple days after. So sweating so much, covering everything else in band-aids and then suffering that way because it's so hot. And I go to the new doctor's office and he took a look at everything and he was like, no, I don't think you have that. I don't think you have that at all. If you do, it's presenting itself in a different way. So what he did, he did a biopsy. He took like two pieces out of my skin like the lesions or the bumps that I was getting. And he was convinced it was, what is it? Like a, just like a skin rash, like um, what do they call it? Dermatitis or I'm going to look it up. It was, um, I'll look up what he called it. Um, folliculitis is what he thought it could be, which is also called hot tub rash, which I'm um, not really sure how I would have gotten that. I mean, maybe through the same same situation going to like physical therapy and stuff uh we hadn't been in a hot tub or anything basically it's uh let me read it for you usually appears a few days after you sat in a pool marinated in a hot tub or spa can also appear a few days after you swam in a lake or poorly maintenance pool uh it can affect people of all ages basically red itchy bump rash plus filled blisters around the hair follicles is kind of what was going on with me a little bit. I'm not quite sure though. So he thought it was probably that and put me on an antibiotic right away because he said, just take this and see if you get better. If not, then I need, then you need to go to an allergist and figure that out because it might be an allergic reaction. Luckily, you know, I did the biopsy. They called me 
shortly after and said, it's not molluscum contagiosum. It's not that at all. So I was so excited. I was so happy. And I'm grateful that, you know, I'm with somebody who's really level-headed and just really pushed me to get a second opinion and really just helped me out mentally. And um, the the bumps kind of went away a little bit, but then it kind of flared up a little bit again after my round of antibiotics um, and kind of during too. So it didn't like fully go away. I don't know if it was just like a reduction in stress that helped everything flare down. And this is kind of where I'm going to get at. Went to the allergist after that, maybe like a few weeks after. She did a whole like investigative situation with me. Like she asked me every single thing under the sun, wrote everything down, took a history of everything, where I had been, what I had been eating. And they did an allergy test on me. If you've ever gotten one, I don't know if anyone, if you've gotten an allergy test, there's different ones out there, but the one that I had was awful. Was it worth it? Yeah, sure. Do I ever want to do it again? No, I don't ever want to do it again. Hopefully I never have to. They drew like a graph on my back and then the nurse comes in with, it feels like a thumbtack. Okay. It feels like 50 something thumbtacks that she just like stabbed my back with like one after another. It was like that fast. And I was like, oh my gosh, like when you get to the mid back, like where your bra strap is, that is so painful. I don't, I cannot, I just cannot. So they stab you with a ton of allergens and then they look at the graph and see like what section your skin responded to the most. And then they did like 12 syringes in my arm of kind of similar what they did on my back except they inject you with like the allergen so I had 12 shots in my arm and I'm afraid of shots and I think at this point I'm kind of afraid of them still but I'm at a point where I'm like all right like just give it to me so yeah 12 needles in my arms in my arm not arms and um Turns out I'm allergic to grass and mold, but it didn't quite explain what was going on. I don't really think I had a more exposure to these things. So again, the doctor did some more investigating and interviewing me really. And she said, well, when did this start? And I said around, you know, you know, this, you know, whatever month it was. And she said, well, when did you start the new job? And I said, oh, that month. <laughs> And uh, it turns out I truly believe that my job was the cause of these things. And, and, you know, the allergist looked at my skin again because it was flaring up. And she said, well, these are hives. So the allergist was pretty much leaning towards this is a stress response. You have hives. And I walked away from that appointment feeling like wow, you know, like I didn't realize I need, I knew I was stressed out at this previous job and it was an office job, but I guess my body was just reacting in this way where it was just freaking out and just hives everywhere. I I had hives. That's what it was. I did not have molluscum gonagiosum. I was at a point where I had to get out I had to leave that job. It just was so bad for me. I'm not going to get into why. It was just 
horrible, horrible. And I had never been so unhappy at a job before in my entire life. And I had never left anywhere in my, I guess, professional career, I guess you could say. I was not one to leave jobs under a year or even under, like, I would put in years of work. And to only be there a few months and have to get out, I just I just needed to get out for my sanity, like, my own peace of mind, my mental health. Because physically, I was, it was making myself sick. Fast forward, you know, I'm in a great job now. I love it. Everything is wonderful. I do get some anxiety from it sometimes, but only because I think it's, I think I get into like a PTSD, honestly, and I'm not just saying that just to say it. I really think when something comes up at work and I, I kind of freak out about it because it reminds me of, I think just the stress of the other job that I had because I, I think I'm just afraid of not delivering and I'm afraid of doing a bad job. So my fear of my expectations of myself is what creates that anxiety, not really like my workplace or my anybody I work with at all. It's really more of like my response to myself and the situation. So recently, like a few months ago, um, well, yeah, after the accident, I was getting the hives again and I decided like I'm not only did I have the hives, I had something else, which is another skin nightmare behind my ears, like where my neck is my hairline and in my scalp I would get these raised bumps and behind my ear had like these welts that weren't quite like hives they were more like a raised red like rash looking thing and sometimes they were like like a lump and they would come and go but they would usually like stay for a really long time and I kind of grew concerned like what the f is this and shout out to my hairstylist she would usually say that like I had a lot of kind of buildup and even though like I swear I would wash my hair like either the day before or the day of like going to see her and like I don't know like it's just something was going on with my scalp and I had tried so many different shampoos and head and shoulders and I would scrub the shit out of my scalp and I would still have that situation going on and some dandruff too. Dandruff can be caused by so many different things, not just dry scalp, could be anything. So went to the new dermatologist that I see now and he pretty much said I have hives. And so he put me on a regimen of Zyrtec and well, this was, I think, yeah, I, I had seen the derm for the same problem twice. I had gone like, I think it was like November or October of last year, like still during the pandemic and stuff. So clearly high anxiety times, of course. Uh, and he put me on a regimen of Zyrtec and some like creams and stuff like that, like steroids. And then when this flare up happened, like after my accident, it got worse. And so he put me on like Zyrtec and another antihistamine like so one for daytime, one for nighttime, and then he gave me some other creams. So basically the hives really needed to bring down like your histamine levels. So your body starts to respond to stress or something else. And it could be an allergy. It could be a bug bite that just sends your histamines, I guess, out of control. And then you get really itchy. So it could be that too. Um, I do get mosquito bites. So taking the Zyrtec and that other antihistamine 
really started to bring my hives like down a lot. So that is really helping me out right now. Um, It just kind of reminded me of that time when I was misdiagnosed a few years ago. So still, yeah, so I'm on that regimen right now. And the other thing behind my ear, uh, which was like that raised patchy red, like welts kind of, and like the dandruff and all that stuff. Uh, I don't even know how to say it. Seborrheic dermatitis. That's the other diagnosis I got. Yeah, seborrheic dermatitis. It's a common skin disease. I don't know. They call these diseases. It sounds so dramatic. Um, it's also called seborrheic eczema. So it's an itchy, rashy, flaky scales that is caused redness on the skin. Um, it's also called dandruff, but dandruff can happen for a lot of different reasons. It can occur on oily areas of the body, such as face, upper chest, back. In addition, the scaly patches and red skin, dermatitis can cause stubborn dandruff. Seborrheic dermatitis can cause stubborn dandruff. So that is pretty much what was going on with me. And it was like just, it's not contagious at all, luckily. But it was just like making its way like behind my neck, behind my ear. And it's gross. And it's uncomfortable. And it's super itchy on my neck anyway. Not really so much on my scalp, which was the weird part. I'm reading off of WebMD, the website that gives you anxiety. You can also get it like on um in your groin, the four folds of your arm arms and legs, it says around your navel. You can get it like on the sides of your nose. Like if you have like crusty skin around the sides of your nose, that can be possibly be it, but obviously see your doctor. So yeah, the doctor gave me this medicated shampoo too, which is really helping out a lot. So the causes of seborrheic dermatitis, according to WebMD, experts don't know what exactly causes that. It seems to be a mix of things, including stress, which I was clearly under, your genes, a yeast that usually lives on your skin without causing any problems. So basically you can have, everybody has yeast, different types of yeast and bacteria. This particular yeast, I guess, can maybe get out of control and produce like extra of it, which can cause this skin situation. So that can be a thing. So that yeast um, or like they'll give you like an antifungal like cream or something. But again, like I said, not contagious. So if this applies to you or whatever, um, don't worry. Again, see your doctor. But that's pretty much what was happening to me recently too. I don't know. It's just one of those things you get. People don't really know why. Um, I was doing the regimen. I was putting all the creams and everything and I didn't really feel like it was kind of getting better. And then I went on Reddit. You know, I don't know if this is good or bad, but I went on Reddit and I was reading um, apparently it can be triggered by like if you're eating too much sugars and I started eating a lot of sweet things like I had gotten a sweet tooth and so I was kind of like on a sugar kick which happens every now and then and I think that made it worse too possibly. So I stopped eating the sweets as much and somebody on reddit shout out to them they said something that really helped them was vitamin d and some cod liver oil or some stuff like that fish oil I don't know and um, I think getting some sun so I 
Not saying like follow everything you read online, but I felt like it was pretty harmless. So what I did was I started upping my vitamin D because I also wasn't really getting outside a lot in the sun. So I took some like low dosage vitamin D and cut out the sugar. I didn't do the cod liver oil. I think I had some fish oil pills or something like that. So I was doing that and I think it really helped. I really think it did. So that is definitely getting better. Doesn't itch as much. I don't really have like breakouts of the itchy redness on like the back of my neck and stuff like that. But yeah, it, it's definitely been a, an interesting time. And also I was reading seborrheic dermatitis can help you, not help you, but it can cause you to lose some of your hair. So I sometimes I felt like I was going bald, you know, losing a lot of my hair. So I think this may have been the cause of it. So I'm really glad I got it checked out. And my dermatologist now is really just awesome. And, you know, you, you just got to stick with the regimen that they give you and you know, go back again if you feel like you're not getting better, which is what I did. So moral of the story, you know, there's a couple stories here, but the main one I want you to walk away with, research your medical professional as much as you can. I mean, not everyone's going to have an article or whatever on them, but the very, at the very least, maybe look up their license to see what they're registered as. Do more research, I would say on the place you're going to. If you feel like, hey, I'm kind of at a med spa looking place and I'm here for skin condition, that's a, probably a red flag too. Maybe they don't specialize in these things and they just want to make money doing Botox and fillers, which, hey, if that's their thing, great, that's their thing. But also keep that in mind when you're seeking treatment for something else. So one, make sure you do the research of who you're seeing. Two, if you in your gut feel like you're not happy with the diagnosis you received. And if they didn't do a biopsy for something you feel like they really should do a biopsy on, advocate for yourself. Tell them you want them to cut a piece of this out and test it so they know for sure. Because they can test this stuff like the second doctor did. And that's my other point. Number three, get a second opinion. If it just does not sit right with you, get a second opinion. Talk to your friend, your partner, your best friend, your coworker, tell somebody about the situation to get a fresh pair of eyes on the situation, a fresh set of ears so that they can give you their opinion on your first diagnosis. They can also help you get a clearer headspace because at the time I was misdiagnosed, I was a wreck. Okay. I couldn't think clearly. So bringing a third party like your friend or somebody else who you who cares about you into the picture, tell them what happened. They can then tell you like, hey, did you ask for a biopsy? Did you ask this question? Did you like all the things you may have missed? That person can help you see things a little clearly. So try to involve someone else to help you think clearly. And if you don't really get the answers there, go see someone else, an allergist or whatever. That's what I had to do. And you know what? I understand not everybody has access to medical care or medical insurance, but call the office ahead of time before your appointment. Tell them what's happening. Work out a plan. There's always something that they can do, whether it's a payment plan whether it's um, maybe a sliding scale where they provide services at a lower cost based off of your income. Even hospitals, I've ex 
I've experienced. And this is a true story. Um, a few years ago, it was like my first job out of college and I had to get an MRI. I couldn't afford the whole cost even after my insurance was done because they did have to do like a procedure um, along with the MRI and my insurance covered some of it. But unfortunately, it was like a lot more money than I could pay at the time. What I had done was I asked for a payment plan. And even then, like I could not make the minimum payment they were asking me for. I would be glad I, at the time I was like, I'd be happy to give you like $50 a month, maybe like $30 a month. I can do that, but they wouldn't go any lower. So I just couldn't do it. And so they said that they had a program where you can apply send in all of your financials and they will determine if you qualify for like this grant or like this um, program that they have where they'll cover your whole bill for you if you cannot pay it. So I share this with you because, hey, I was there at one point where even with a health insurance, I couldn't afford my treatment at one point in my life, which sucks. But there are options. There are programs talk to the medical professionals and just tell them what's going on and they'll work something out with you hopefully i really hope that this story is like a cautionary tale for you and that you've learned something from it and it is a beauty horror story because i felt so awful and i could not wear makeup and because i was scared to contaminate my makeup and then yeah that was a whole thing okay you don't know what i threw away i was so mad of all the things I had to throw away. So yeah, that's uh, my beauty horror story that happened to me a few years ago. And uh, some of the skin issues that aren't relevant today for me. Thanks. Follow Swatch of Horrors on Instagram or Twitter at Swatch of Horrors. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Thank you.